You're listening to And hey everyone, welcome to the 40th convening of the Good Pop Culture Club. My name is Marvin Yu, and joining me to talk about all the good pop that gets us through our days, we have self-proclaimed professional Asian American, Jess Yu. What's up, Jess? Hi, everyone. I'm ready to die here, Marvin. It's fine. We're going to be inside forever. I've come <laughs> to me. I've made my peace with this. Did you? Um. Yeah. Apparently, California is reopening, which I guess, you know, you can't punish the whole state for the sins of our very large county. But man. At some point, I'm not going to be surprised if they set up like actual checkpoints on the border of LA County. I won't ever be be able to see you guys. <laughs> it, you oh. know what? I'm not leaving my house. Okay, there's like three new strains. <laughs> They're more contagious than before. We had to like up like reduce like get rid of the crematorium like a um, yeah. number ban. Like you could burn as many bodies because everyone. You know what? No, I'm not leaving the house. <laughs> I'm 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 making myself, and we'll see. But I need. I'm picking up some materials so i can do the uh bang chung for lunar new year um but that's all the way in i believe it's alhambra is it alhambra yeah and so yeah i'm making myself just pick up food but it's gonna be a long drive and uh yeah that'll be weird but han restaurants are reopening (laughs) and who am i gonna eat with like (laughs) i eat by myself all the time um at restaurants went pre-pandemic and now that would just Mm. like going out by myself is still risky like even going grocery shopping i've been doing very little of that i've been ordering and um because of yeah the very virulent strains that are like crazy also joining us professional culture editor han win hi (laughs) it's great i'm i'm just you know my mom will be happy i'll finally be paler yeah. Um. Oh no! <laughs> the terrible silver lining of this is you get to fulfill your mother's colonial fantasies. Maybe. I mean, I do have sun outside my door, and I have a yard. But yeah, you're supposed to get like vitamin D. You're supposed to like sit. I yeah. mean, both the metaphorical and the literal. But literally, you're supposed to like sun yourself for like 15 minutes a day. Yeah. Uh, I, there's a. I I have a new friend. It is a, a stray cat who comes twice a day. His name is Ollie. You know, short for Oliver Twist. Um, and so I do get outside for that, <laughs> but uh, oh, I'm happy. Does does your does your house cat like him? So I have two house cats, and they go out into the yard. And for a long time, they would just look at him through the fence because there's a, a a chain link fence between. And my cats don't know how to climb a fence, so um, they look at him and they puff up and they get kind of growly or whatever. But then now they just ignore him. Oh, that's the that's the loveliest story I've heard <laughs> all week. Oh, yeah. anyway. well. We're here today for our first um, Do We Want This Check-In for 2021. Later on the episode, we're going to go over some of the latest uh, entertainment news, specifically in Asian American entertainment, and ask ourselves if we want this. Uh, since we didn't do one at the end of December, we're going to combine news for both months. But before we get to that, let's find out what pop culture has been getting us through the week. Jess, what's popping? So I start, or I'm in this like film club with my college friends. It's really fun. We all pick a movie and then like talk about it. So I recently watched the 40 year old version, Mm. not to be confused with the 40 year old virgin. It's a play on the Steve Carell movie, but this is a indie movie that premiered at Sundance, I believe in um, 2020. It had just gotten announced. It was nominated for a best first 
Feature Award. It is written, directed, and starring Radha Brooks, who is a hilarious, uh, creative woman. And it bas- she plays a version of her real life self. And uh, she basically was an up and coming, like 30 under 30 awarded black playwright in New York, but she's never been produced because her work was considered too black. And so it's her journey as a playwright. And she so she so effortlessly combines different so many different themes in this movie about grief and creativity and you know selling out and the structural racism of creating art in this context it was a play uh and it's also just the fucking funny one of the funniest movies i've watched in a really long time so just life isn't happening you know there's no forward movement in her career so she takes up rapping she's a really good rapper (laughs) The rhymes are hot, as the kids say. So I really enjoyed it. I would really recommend you watch it. Again, the 40-year-old version. Uh, it's a playing on Netflix. So I know you all have Netflix. And there is a role of uh, her best friend slash agent who is played by um, an Asian-American actor. And I believe he they are actually like childhood friends. So they play childhood friends in the movie and actually our childhood friends there's some great flashbacks i really hope the picture is real some of those pictures she flashes back to it real uh just very creatively done very refreshing um very unique perspective you don't get to see a lot about you know women over 40 a certain age women of color over a certain age black women over a certain age would recommend awesome yeah, this has been on my list for a while, and I just, you know, we get so much stuff to watch that I forgot, so I'm glad for the r- reminder. Yeah. Yeah, it's, my my concern is I don't like to tackle anything too heavy mm-hmm. during quarantine times, so this is a really nice mix of it's really, it asks really interesting questions, it brings up a lot of interesting perspective, but in, and not saying it's not heavy in some parts, the main character is dealing with her um her grief and her mother's passing but you know it's it never gets too like like tragic you know it doesn't doesn't like weigh you down with like you know the tragedy (laughs) porn of it all um good so i really really enjoyed it it's it goes by so fast it's like a two-hour movie but like flashes by which is amazing because not like two-hour movies don't usually flash by yeah i i find myself not wanting to watch movies even though they're shorter than the series I watch, but it's just because it's a long thing to sit through versus like broken up stuff. Are you like my friend? She's like, I don't want to watch a movie, but I'll watch like an eight hour series yeah. in one sitting. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's, it's sort of a different sort of attention span commitment, I think, um, which is why I'm behind on all of my uh, Oscar movies. Bahan, what's, what are you watching? Okay, so uh first introduction is usually this time of year i am at the winter television critics association press tour which is when we would get in a hotel room ballroom for about what anywhere from 15 to 21 days that includes nights and weekends my friends don't see me um and uh you just sit in the ballroom and it's panel after panel after panel after panel of tv shows with their producers, directors, and talent 
um, sitting there kind of kind of press conference style, but a little bit more comfortably because it's actual chairs and stuff, no like table in front of them. And uh, they field questions from journalists like me that are in the ballroom. And we get to learn about their new series. And uh, sometimes it's returning series. So that's what we usually do. But in time of COVID, we are now doing it virtually. And since we all have home lives and stuff like that, we can't do a, what, 15-hour day. So we're only doing it like three to four hours a day. And that means it's stretching for six weeks. So if you hear me just talking about TCA for about six weeks, that's why. Um, So something that I have watched that we actually had a presentation for today is very exciting. Um, It was for NBC Day. And um, there's a new sitcom called Young Rock, which you might have heard of. Oh, yeah. And we got we got to see the pilot and we got to ha- see the panel, which uh, so it's basically Dwayne Johnson, The Rock Johnson. It's his sort of story, but it's in a framework that's really funny. Um, it is directed and uh, created by Nanachka Khan, who is, you know, from Fresh Off the Boat fame, but also did uh, wrote Always Be My Maybe. And then also uh, Jeff Chung, uh, Chung, Chung <laughs> from uh, I think he's also from Fresh Out the Boat. But um, and then Dwayne Johnson, of course, is executive producing and it's really fun. So um, the kind of the format is that The Rock playing a version of himself is running for president in 2032. And part of his campaign is doing this interview. And his interviewer is Randall Park. Playing a version oh of himself. Oh my god! Wow, it is also, so funny. Like, also, very plausible. He's Randall Park in the show. <laughs> yeah, he's Randall Park in the show and an interviewer. Really weird. Oh my god! Because that's at moments he refers to himself like you know, I'm da 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 an actor, but at the same time he's like, yeah, Randall, you are a great actor. It just <laughs> it, the meta is so ridiculous and funny. And then uh, Dwayne Johnson, of course, flashes back and talks about his home life growing up. Um, how his dad, of course, was uh, Rocky Rocky Johnson, um, a wrestler, and then how he grew up with all these other wrestlers. And so you see all these other actors playing these wrestlers. Some of them, you know, like Andre the Giant and other ones are also played by, let's say, his family members, like other Samoan people. I don't know as much about wrestling and I still enjoyed those sort of cameos. Um, And then you see The Rock in uh, three, well, including himself. There's also three age ranges. So there's a very adorable 10-year-old. There's a 15-year-old who looks like he's 25 or 40. Um, <laughs> but they actually reference that. They're like, dude, you're 15, but you look like you're like I'm a narc. Like, t- you know, 21 jumps. Which I think was true. That yes. actually happened to him. When he was in high school, no one would believe he was like actually yeah. And they reference, Yeah, they reference that. So there's a lot of that in there. And then you, we see the one where he's in um, university. So he's like 18 to 22 or something like that. Um, and he's very hot um that oh he's so attractive have you watched a uh, legend of baron toa which is you can like rent for like four bucks on i haven't online? but after seeing him i'm very much looking going to look up everything oh, on yeah. his resume P- please watch it he's very very handsome in that uli and his voice okay we can we can well we can offline this yeah but. well so the actor's name is uli latukafu i'm not I'm not pronouncing that right, but he's an Australian actor of Tongan descent. Um, he was in Marco Polo and a bunch of other stuff, including what Jess just mentioned. He was also on Australian Idol. 
Wait, what? Like yes. as a singer? I think oh my God. so. And Did you just um, get more attractive. And then let me just say when he wears his outfit where he's working out in the gym with the other people, he's very fit. Is he bringing the crop top back cuz I really like that period of like the 80s, 90s where like fit dudes would wear I, crop tops. I do love that. I haven't seen it yet, um but uh in the okay, not as sexy, but I like it. Um in the press conference, uh, Dwayne also mentioned that, like, there's a lot of fanny pack stuff. <laughs> oh, yes. And, the famous yeah. fanny pack. I love fanny packs. I'm, I've been a proponent of the fanny pack since the 80s. I'm so glad they're back, especially during COVID times because they don't swing um, <laughs> and touch <laughs> things. Um, but, yeah, so it's it's something that I think everyone will really enjoy. I thought it was very funny. It's a little weird, but funny. You kind of just have to go for the ride. and. Um, I think it's out February 16th, so two days after Valentine's Day. Um, so it'll be out soon-ish by the time you hear this. And uh, yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Give it a give it a try. I'm so glad to see Randall Park uh, reunited with Anachka Khan also. Uh, that's, I love both of them and they're, you know, they're great people, but also just I feel like they've kind of hit their stride, you know, together. So I'm glad to always see them paired up. Yeah, I'm actually surprised. I wasn't aware that it was coming out so soon. I'm excited. To I it. wasn't either, but I've also been kind of ignoring TV because so many COVID production <clears throat> setbacks have been happening that I've just been like, I'll see it when I see it, you know? <laughs> and uh, so for me to watch all of these pilots, I'm just like, well, I don't know how you guys did it. And I hope no one got sick, but, you know, glad. I think they were able to shoot in Australia. And get like production that would, wrap there, so that would make you know, they're sense. They're doing better than us, so yeah, that would make sense because nice. during the press conference, a bunch of them were all in the screen together, so they must have been on set, <clears throat> and that must have been where they were because, uh, like Dwayne, I think was in his own place, and all the rest were more separate. But yeah, the main cast and producers were elsewhere. Oh, I'm so excited! Yeah, Yay, I'm look glad forward to it's, it. It's 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 good, and it'll probably be on. It'll probably be on Peacock in case any of you guys aren't like <laughs> Peacock. <laughs> if if you guys aren't like if you're unplugged, that's what I'm saying. It's like uh I don't know if it'll be on free Peacock tier or not. That's the only thing. But yeah. <laughs> on the I will watch first two seasons of the Office Peacock <laughs> or I want to watch all of the Office Peacock. Anyway, that's me, Marvin. What's popping with you? All right. So sometimes you're on social media at the right time and you just catch like a certain zeitgeist, right? Um and that's what that's what my what's popping about. Um, I don't know if you guys caught the whole hubbub about the giant vampire lady from Resident Evil Eight. Um, <laughs> no, but please, please enlighten us. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess this is something that happened in, I guess, gamer Twitter because um, Capcom, uh, one of the major Japanese gaming companies, had um, a Resident Evil showcase um, last week, last Thursday. And Resident Evil is their flagship um, horror survival game series, originally about fighting zombies. It eventually became like an action game about fighting zombies. And now in the last two with Resident Evil 7 and now 8, they're going back to horror roots and creating like a game that's first person and scary as fuck. Instead of playing as like super powered special forces people, you play as a normal dude trying to survive. Like I think Resident Evil 7 was about a family of murder rednecks. <laughs> what? <laughs> cool. Sure. Why not? And so they just released a demo for um, Resident Evil 8. Which I guess is going to be about vampires and werewolves. Apparently, given the promotional materials, who knows? This is a new direction for Resident Evil. Normally, zombies made by viruses. I guess this is like werewolves and vampires made by viruses. We'll see. But there was a demo that they released, and it kind of follows the same um, 
format as Resident Evil 7, where you're being chased around like a giant manor um, by monsters. And in this case, the monster is an eight-foot-tall gothic vampire lady. And for a brief moment on like Thursday and Friday, all of gamer Twitter was sent to Horny Joe over this vampire lady. And I don't know if you've seen pictures. I've linked a couple of pictures. <laughs> I'm trying to, to find pictures in your <laughs> notes document. I really want to see hot vampire lady. Just go to Twitter and type in Resident Evil Vampire Lady. <laughs> okay. Okay, I'm okay. trying. My computer's very slow because I have like 7 million tabs open. But mm-hmm. all right. I'm trying to. Yeah. Come on. Uh, I'm oh, looking. this is like the suspense is killing me. Oh, she's she's a little less gothic than I thought she'd be. She's like not my type, but I I get it. I get it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, was, um, you know, sometimes you're scrolling on Twitter, reading all these tweets about like people saying, "Oh, I'm so glad we don't have to think about the politics anymore," and feeling <laughs> really bad about society. And then something happens where you're like, "I'm just gonna I'm just gonna live here for a while and enjoy people." being horny about eight tall vampire ladies uh, at this point i think i celebrate everyone's horniness as long as no one's getting hurt yeah. so yeah uh i mean yes we still should be thinking about politics but at the same time i don't begrudge anyone taking a break <laughs> so. oh there's two different vampire horny ladies well she's like a vampire matron surrounded by a family of vampire ladies that are actively hunting you throughout oh, this house i like i like vampire lady with the big hat that's like more my that's the one i saw yeah, yeah that's the that's the oh. one they're horny for oh okay i was i was looking at there's blonde lady so there's like two horny vampire ladies okay okay <laughs> this makes more sense i get the horniness she she's a she's like that she's like that hot mix of like school principal but like hot and like vampire yeah 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 i get okay okay i get it i get it, I get it. <laughs> Yeah, so that brought me a little bit of joy um, over the weekend. Does, I love um, it. So does this yeah. make you want to rejoin social media society? <laughs> or you're like, that was good. I've had enough. For- let's, let's like scratch that itch. I don't need to come back for a while. I'm just happy to see people ha- being happy. <laughs> that, that's where that's I am. Fair. I know. The, the small joys, right? Yeah. The small joys. Well, that's what's popping for this week. Uh, when we come back, <laughs> that's we a go good over- one. When we come back, we go over the latest entertainment news with our monthly news segment, Do We Want This? Uh, Stick around. Hey, I'm Bill Yu, and you may know me from a blog called Angry Asian Man. And I'm Jeff Yang, author, journalist, and celebrity dad. We host a podcast called They Call Us Bruce, an unfiltered conversation about what's happening in Asian America. Each week or so, we host a discussion about some of the most vital and interesting topics in our pop culture and our community, bringing in guests who are shaping and informing this thing called Asian America from Hollywood to D.C. and beyond. Uh, we got media, entertainment, food, family, politics, representation, the good, the bad, the WTF of it all. So check us out wherever you get your podcasts or at theycallsbruce.com. Peace. Peace. And welcome back to the Good Pop Culture Club. Welcome to the first Do We Want This of 2021. Do We Want This is our monthly news segment where we go around and talk about some of the latest entertainment news. The way it works is we'll go around the table and each of us will bring up one or two news stories that have caught our attention. And we'll ask ourselves if we want this. 
like we mentioned at the top of the show, since we skipped our Do We Want This for December, um, we're going to be covering both December and January stories. So to start us off, Han, what's our first story from December? So it created such a big like shockwave through Hollywood when uh, it was announced that Warner Brothers will uh, Studios will release its full movie slate for the year on HBO Max simultaneously as in theaters. And well, if yeah. <laughs> and um and this was a big deal like in a number of ways one of them was just for we people who are never leaving our homes ever again um knowing that we can look forward to these very huge titles um they started it really actually with Warner Wonder Woman um on Christmas but you know um this allowed us to have time if you didn't have HBO Max so we could subscribe um but it also became a big deal for a lot of the studios, uh, the studios directors and the actors themselves, because they were hoping for a theatrical run um, solely because, you know, well, for many reasons, but it pretty much comes down to money. Um, but they also, you know, prefer that people see them in a big screen um, because like maybe like the aspects and all that other stuff is just better, which I do agree. Certain things look better on the big screen. I like to have the surround sound, you know, audience around me. But um, it became a big deal to like, let's say, the people uh, associated with Dune and to the point where Timothy Chalamet even like went on SNL and wore a, a shirt that said legendary on it because that was the studio that associated with Warner Brothers that, you know, he was supporting because they were speaking out against, you know, HBO Max's decision. I mean, or at least the decision to go on HBO Max. But as a consumer, I do have to say I'm very much happy to be able to plan ahead and know that I'm getting certain movies because, you know, in despite like, let's say, studios like MGM that keep pushing and pushing and pushing um, release dates because they realize the pandemic is taking longer and they're still hoping for a theatrical release. And so we're not getting James Bond. <laughs> you know, every few months we hear that we're not going to get James Bond. So I just figure I don't care. It's not going to happen. Um, I'll just believe it when I'm actually there and see it. Uh, HBO Max, you know, I can see Dune and um, Matrix 4 with Keanu and In the Heights. You know, um, and so, yeah, there's quite a few of them I've been excited to see. And with other studios that keep pushing, you know, I just I don't know what to look forward to. And I do have to say that's kind of the same thing I was talking about with TV. I'm just happy that we're getting new, fresh stuff that has been produced. Um, and I think being able to see it at home at this point is the responsible thing to do. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to those. So would you say, do we want this? I do want this. And you know what? If things get better, they can still have a theatrical run. I know a lot of people who want to see it in theaters. Um, it's just at this point, I feel like, what are you guys waiting for? So. There's no way we're getting back into the theater anytime soon. Yeah. So yeah, I think it was a different conversation even when the news initially dropped. Cause yeah, but you know they had someone had a crystal ball where it's like, look at this, this ain't, this is not gonna get better anytime soon. It's, so yeah, besides LA doing very poorly in the COVID game, Hollywood just keeps starting productions and having to shut them down because people are getting sick. Like people, stop. You know. Do animated stuff for now, you know, whatever it is you need to do, <laughs> just stay healthy. And then sooner everyone gets vaccinated and hopefully 
it takes and we get rid of these all these strains. Um, but yeah, I was like, it's not worth it. Uh, so and also there's so many foreign things that people are now can watch and we have co-productions and stuff. So, yeah, we're not going to run out of things to watch. I haven't looked at the numbers and I don't know if they've shared it yet, but was there a spike in like HBO Max subscriptions because of Wonder Woman? I didn't pay attention, but I'm sure um, mm. there have been. I don't even know if they released that information. Yeah, That's I don't true. think that they said. I, I mean, I know Disney Plus did an amazing, you know, like uh, subscriber um, count, but. Which yeah, makes sense. but that's Disney, and there's a lot of parents yeah. who want that Disney content. Mm-hmm. I wonder, like, I I do want this because I want to be able to watch the movies I want to see, um, in the comfort of my home. Because you know, like we said, super strains are coming of COVID, and I'm not about to go outdoors. Um, but at the same time, I maybe it's a combination of the ease of access slash like the lukewarm reviews. But I haven't watched Wonder Woman yet, even though it's the last weekend oh. too. Ditto. Oh, I think it's no longer free. I think you need to buy it at this point. Oh, no, no it, the lukewarm reviews um made me not watch it, and I was like, I will wait until it's free or free or with subscription, um again. And I'm just not. I you know what? Again, I have Oscar films I should be watching. I don't need to watch Wonder Woman because I'm sorry, that's not going to be an Oscar film. <laughs> so uh yeah, I but I do think it that was just Wonder Woman. I think there's so many other films like on the slate that I am actually excited to watch that I will watch despite my not wanting to watch movies at home. So um, I I do have to say I haven't tried out the features yet where you can co-watch with people like watch party um, on like Netflix. And I think like Disney, you can do that. So I don't know if HBO Max has that, but at some point I'm going to try those out and see if they're any good. You know, maybe it makes no sense, but uh, yeah. Yeah. But yes, I want this. Um, what's next? What's what else is new? Yeah. All right, Jess. What's our next story? So this, uh, speaking of Disney Plus, one of the shows that was announced coming to Disney Plus in that mega Disney Investors Day or whatever they call it um, was Ms. Marvel, which is a newer character in the Marvel universe, both in the comic side and obviously the film TV side. Uh, and it introduces Iman Vellani as Kamala Khan. She is a 16-year-old Pakistani-American growing up in Jersey City, and she's going to take up the like. I guess I guess she's a she's a she's Ms. Marvel. That's her superhero name. Um, she's uh, been it's been announced she's gonna tie into the Captain Marvel series, so maybe like a cool Spider-Man Tony Stark kind of relationship. You know, her and Captain Marvel or Monica Rambeau, who is the only Rambo I care about. Um. <laughs> So it's just great. It's going to be a show. It looks pretty, like, you know, family-friendly. Um, I just think, like, number one, it, let's diversify the superhero genre. Like, give again, give I'm on record. Give me a coming-of-age story. And, like, yeah, it's just, like, let's not have, like, a Pakistani Muslim family, like, have nothing to do with, like, terrorism or, like, Middle Eastern politics, or any of that shit that, you know, that one special episode of CSI or whatever cop show is on. It's 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 a family, it looks like a family sitcom, superhero sitcom, with this girl who happens to share a name with our current vice president, which is pretty cool. Um, and I'm excited about it. I'm not the biggest superhero fan, but she is so... I don't know. Maybe it's weird. Like, like 
watching younger like shows brings me a sense of like warm innocence of bygone eras i really like ya shows oh because they don't have to be dark and twisty all the time yeah i feel like there's an expectation if you're watching like these prestige shows like something has like shock and awe or like subvert i'm just like i just give me a straightforward like well-written well-structured like family show i love it i grew up on you know reruns of like facts of life and like different strokes i mean literally never have i ever was i think one of my top 10 shows of last year so agree across the board not just ya show so yeah i mean it can be done well yeah and you know the team is i i also find it interesting because this is because this is a fairly newer character even in the comic book world i think Ms. Marvel, this version of Ms. Marvel came out like in the 2000s. She's a the very actual, recent, yeah. Yeah, she's so the actual characters originated from, I think, like a Pakistani American woman. Like the source material is from, like, you know, someone from the community. And there's so many, so much like retconning and subversion you have to do when you're dealing with like properties that were written by like white men in the 50s, right? Like you had to retcon Shang-Chi, you're going to have to retcon. Black Panther a bit and like find a way to like this because it's newer there's not even that weird like history so and all the creative team and the cast you know pretty down the line all seem to be carefully selected to reflect a range of (laughs) um, experiences and skin tone within the Pakistani South Asian spectrum yeah so hopeful cautiously hopeful (laughs) hope it turns out well for everyone involved yeah, Miss Marvel was created in 2013 by Sana Amanat, and I remember making a big splash because she was the first uh, Muslim superhero in the Marvel pantheon. And I'm trying to remember, but are there any other like young superheroes in the Marvel film pantheon? I mean, there's Spider Man, but oh, that's true. Spider, but Spider Man is Spider Man, <laughs> and he has been reiterated time and time again. And there's certain touch points, you know, they they have to keep remaking it to keep the rights. <laughs> So yeah. Spider-Man's not new anymore. I mean, Spider-Man's got Queens. Miles Morales has Brooklyn. Um, Ms. Marvel is Jersey. She's a Jersey girl. Which which is very South Asian, let's be real, <laughs> yeah. right? Like the South Asian's a Jersey, right? Um, and it's 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 also interesting because Captain Marvel 2 is going to be directed by Nia DaCosta, you know, who is a black Afro-Latino woman. Um, and, you know, it's just it's just all lining up to be interesting. And exciting. Marvel has done, you know, I don't know if they fucked it up in a drastic way thus far. <laughs> Let's keep it. I mean, rooting for you. I'm rooting for the joy, rooting for, you know, the, the actress Imani who's playing her. Let's- yeah. And like, get that bag because you're on this one show. You're now part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which means you're going to be in TV shows. You're going to be in like animated stuff you're gonna be in she'll get an action figure she's gonna get an action figure like that's cool right (laughs) like who would have thought and and again like let's let's have a nice you know there are a muslim family muslim american family that's not involved or not you know even tinged by terrorism or 9-11 or anything like that like let's show a let's show a nice show nice like suburban happy mm-hmm. <laughs> intact family no one is al-qaeda no <laughs> like you would think that's not too tall an order yeah 
unfortunately. Sometimes it is. Yeah. Maybe this will be this will be the property to break through that uh, that stereotype wall. How about you, Marvin? All right. Uh, my story um, and the last story from December 2020, um, the Poppy War series, which is a series of fantasy novels by Rebecca F. Kwong, are set to be adapted for television um, after Peter Lowell's Starlight Media optioned the rights. The Poppy War is a fantasy series about Rin, um, a war orphan from the Nakar Empire, um, which is made up of 12 provinces, all um, based on the Chinese zodiac who aces a national test and decides to attend a military academy. So um, the story opens as kind of a like academy-type story where kids from all over the empire come to um, learn to be warriors and generals in the background of a oncoming invasion of a foreign empire, which may or may not be based on Japan. Um, so the poppy war... <laughs> it's not Japan! <laughs> It's Japan. It's an Asian-based fantasy world that's inspired by the history of the Japanese invasion of China in World War II. The, the book is notorious for a couple chapters, which pretty much is an allusion to the Nanking Massacre. And The Poppy War was one of my favorite reads over the last few years. Uh, it's a really engaging book, uh, has such rich storytelling, world building, and emotions. And it goes places. It starts off as your typical academy storyline you have people coming together and butting heads um, rich kids bullying poor kids um, class distinctions things like that um, but once the invasion starts it becomes a war story mm -hmm. um, where everyone is thrown into the defense of the country and uh, because it is a fantasy story there's also a magical system um, in this world certain people have the ability to become shamans who can invoke gods to give themselves supernatural powers and Rin the main character um, she is connected to the phoenix god which is the embodiment of rage and anger and so she's able to fight with the power of fire and flame but at the same time um, also begins to um, feel those emotions as well and as someone who's been marginalized as a minority for her entire life and put down, um, things happen because she gets starts to embrace her anger. Rebecca F. Kwong is one of those authors who seems to love making her characters suffer. Um, so there is a lot of, I guess, grimdark in this story. And yeah, if you're into that kind of thing, this has all of that. This is like a very you book, Marvin, yes. I will say. It's like, okay, fantasy, Asian fantasy, war, suffering, like sign Marvin up. <laughs> Although, uh, yeah, I, I might check it out still. I do like fantasy. Yeah, and the same way, it's like it's a female-led fantasy epic based on Chinese culture, folklore, and history. And I mean... Uh, let me ask you two, like, do we want this? Oh, yeah, I definitely do. I, I, I'm yes. very pro-fantasy, especially stuff that's not necessarily in the uh, uh, J.R.R. Tolkien realm, that, like, Harry Potter follows that tradition and all this stuff. Just say why, yeah. on it's faster. <laughs> but, I mean, it, this is what people think of when it comes to fantasy. And so it's like, I like anything that just kind of, like, gives you a different point of view. Also, Asian and woman all about it so yeah yeah and the main character rin is like in this fantasy land where it's obviously based on china she is of a dark-skinned minority <gasps> so there's even that that's like as me well. <laughs> the darker skinned asian <laughs> not han chinese <laughs> right and if you're interested in the story all three books are already out right now on um, the first book poppy war the second book dragon republic and the third book um the burning god and i mean 
it's just it's it's just been options. So there's no like we don't have any we don't know who's writing it, we don't know who's directing it, we don't know who's casting it. But one can only hope because it's produced by an Asian owned company and because like creators have more power these days that they're gonna cast it accordingly. And that's not to say there's no role for white people in this yeah. story. There is definitely a Western power analog that funds a civil war to like overthrow the empire in book two. So there's definitely roles for warmongering white people in the second So book. the British, the British and the opium wars. Or the United States funding guerrillas. Yes. yes. <laughs> all right. This is good. I'm, I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad you told me that all three books are already out because that's what I'm all about. I don't like when I just read Gideon the ninth last week and I read the second book. Now I have to wait for the third. It hasn't been written yet. <laughs> so at least this will give me some closure. Oh, that's agonizing. I'm too old for that shit. Only tell me when it's done. I, I'm like the like the George Martin series. Like I'm not even reading them until he's done it all. Or you can not read them. Yeah, or I cannot read them exactly. I can read more horny books. <laughs> a fun fact, um, because I, I've actually interviewed Rebecca for Books and Boba a couple years ago, uh, back when the first book came out, is she wrote that book while she was still in college. Like her, the first book got published before she even graduated yeah. from undergrad. That's right. Yeah, that's disgusting. <laughs> oh, I do. Okay, mm. I remember this story breaking and everyone just feeling terrible. And that was a few years ago. And now I, I still feel bad because I've gotten older, still haven't written a book, never will write a book. Yeah. I mean, since yeah. then, um, between um, writing the next two books, she also went to Oxford and got a degree in English. Oh, so. shut up. Oh, shut up. Oh, fuck I know, off. Marvin, misery is your jam, but you don't have to spread it to us. Like, <laughs> just, can you on. not? You sound like my mom right now. Go grow school. Okay, stop. <laughs> Just saying, very talented writer, excited for this adaptation. And I mean, in addition to all the cool fantasy stuff, it's also a martial arts epic. So there's going to be some awesome fights, okay. um, throwing fire around like maybe this is what Avatar should have been. Who knows? I mean, Avatar should have been Avatar, many things. Avatar, the live action the live or action. Avatar, blue, yeah. blue dude, blue dudes. <laughs> you got you to gotta specify yeah. here. I mean, given COVID and production being as it is we probably won't see this until you know 2024 or 25 or maybe you know 2032 when Dwayne the Rock Johnson becomes president I know you know he's setting it up for like a real presidential (laughs) run but yeah I definitely want this I'm excited for it congratulations to everyone involved congratulations to Rebecca um, for just achieving so much in like and making us all feel bad and old (laughs) all right on that note, um, let's move on to our January news. Um, Jess, what do you have for January? Okay, so I just dropped today the news of Raya and the Last Dragon, which is Disney's upcoming big animated studio project. It was supposed to come out last year, but they've since pushed it and it's going to premiere on Disney Plus with Premiere Access. So you do have to pay on top of your current subscription. And they had previously announced Kelly Marie Tran was going to voice the lead, which is great. Um... The other casting news, not so great, Marvin. And I will go on record in saying that. So Raya is based in the cultures of Southeast Asia. And, you know, there's a glaring lack of Southeast Asians in the remainder of the announced cast. So we have big East Asian names like Daniel Day Kim and Sandra Oh and Gemma Chan, who I love all of them. And they are fantastic actors and I am not knocking their ability. But... Yo, you can't do that shit. <laughs> you cannot take 
you know, and claim inspiration from a culture and then negate the people of that culture. It's, it's, it's not, it's not optimal to put it lightly. And, you know, in the last few weeks, Asian people have been behaving very badly. You know, we have, we have sucked. And I feel like this is another case of where we're sucking and we shouldn't have, you know, at a certain point, it's almost like now, I mean, those three names I listed specifically, Jenner to Kim, Sandra Oh, and Gemma Chan. I would argue they're big enough at this point where they could have said no. I think it's different if it's somebody who literally has no name recognition and just like needs a job. You know, I think that's a different conversation. But at a certain point, are we, we have to hold the own people of our, you know, people. And I speak, we specifically, like, as an East Asian, as a Chinese person, it's like, we have to hold them responsible, right? Like, it's, it's you know, you could have said no. You could have given the opportunity, you know, you know, requ- request, you know, brought up this conversation. And it's just ironic because Daniel <clears throat> Day Kim kind of was on the other end of this with the whole Hellboy discourse like two years ago. So, I mean, it's, it's a little tough to defend these choices on the corporate side. And it's not like the talent isn't there. I don't, I mean, I think it's, fair and then therefore more messed up to say maybe the name recognition is not there but it's also this whole same argument like they're never southeast asian actors are not going to get name recognition if they never get cast because east asians keep taking all the roles yeah i mean definitely in terms of like again caveat we do want raya but we don't we do want want raya like i definitely don't want to see this type of news like happy for the people involved and i mean to play devil's advocate i mean i think about how much we celebrate like having asian voices and how much of it is like okay technically it's progress because we have at least people from the same continent playing these characters but at the same time do we give props for like a half victory right well everything is is in the context of the specific situation right like every situation is bespoke it's just in this situation if we're you know if we're looking within our own Asian American community, East Asians, while, you know, are people of color and do face challenges, are relatively privileged within the Asian American community. And so it's not an equitable, we're not on an equitable playing field here, East Asians and Southeast Asians, right? Yeah. It's a, it's, if you, if we zoom out the conversation, this is kind of the conversation we have about like Asians and like white actors. But, you know, we're focusing specifically within our community and there are dynamics within our community. So, you know, it's it's I even think it's different if it's the other way cast or if the role were different. If the role is kind of a vaguely Asian American person, then I don't know if ethnicity plays quite as, you know, is not quite as entrenched. You know, this is like a contemporary like if we were doing like a searching thing where like the Asianness is not really central to the story, I think it doesn't really matter what ethnicity we're getting. But this is very, very explicitly based in Southeast Asian culture and Southeast Asian, uh, you know, vibes and setting. And they have stated that very explicitly. And so you would assume that the people in these voicing these characters who inhabit this world, again, based in Southeast Asia. would be southeast asian at the very least i think what's frustrating is like you see the mouse disney 
do a lot of good things in this venue, but at the same time, you also see them doing stuff like this. So it's like, okay, obviously, huge organization, not everyone's on the same page. But at the same time, you can't like, you can't laud yourself for doing something great and then turn around and do the next thing not great. There should be some consistency, especially since there's definitely a department within Disney that's in charge of like making sure these issues are addressed. Um, I mean, I don't know the dynamics of that corporation. I don't know how much power they actually have when going up against like decisions by people who aren't as savvy or aware. But I mean, Disney at the same time has a good track record and also a terrible track record about this specific issue um, that's been going on for the last like. And I just, to me, the answer slash solution is just so clear. Like, to me, this is a pretty, like, black and white issue. There are other aspects of the bigger, of the movie that I think are more nuanced. And, like, we can have an interesting discussion about it uh, maybe at a certain time. Like, should you, should you, like, combine cultures to create a different one? I don't think there's, like, a cut and dry answer to that because we've seen, like, you know, fantasies based in Western um, tradition and cultures for a very long time. Um, so if they're doing something similar, you know, Marvin, you talk about, like every other day, you talk about some kind of IP or book based in like Asian, like fantasy world, right? And like, that's a, that's a different, interesting conversation I think we can have that I don't know what the answer to. But this is, to me, is like, Oh, if you are going to like the people part seems pretty cut and dry to me, but I don't know. Is that just me? <laughs> yeah. I think whenever you come up with this type of thing, you're always going up against like the numbers, right? The m- people crunching the numbers saying, well, people know who Daniel Day Kim is. People know who Gemma Chan is. I also just think that's bullshit <laughs> because I think if Disney animation puts out a animated big Disney princess movie, who cares who voices the person? You're gonna take your kids to see it. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, this goes back to Han's whole thing about voice actors, right? And the fact is, like, Disney isn't, it's not DreamWorks, right? They're not about stunt casting like DreamWorks projects are. Um, Disney's all about character work and performances. Yeah. As the, as the, I, yeah. I mean, I do have that sort of pet peeve when it comes to celebrity stunt casting for voice acting. Um, and I, and this is not to in any way denigrate Daniel Day Kim's voice because that's amazing and I will listen to him read anything. Um, but if you're going to, first of all, like you were saying, you can give opportunities to Southeast Asian actors who don't get as much, you know, attention, roles, you know, opportunities. Um, it also helps other people understand that they're different because like to this day, I still have friends who are trying to figure out what is a Southeast Asian and what is a South Asian. And if, and if we just keep lumping everyone together, that's, there's a reason why people are confused. Um, And then also there are some Southeast Asian American actors who are known. They could have gone to um, like Dustin Wynn, you know, uh, and Lana Condor, you know, you know, she's young, she's hip. She's, you know, uh, Maggie Q there you know even if you want to say Chrissy Teigen you know just, there there's some names out there and then, then the rest they could have filled with you know maybe somewhat lesser names but wait Hong Cho like just there were just so many people they could have thought of but they clearly didn't um, they just went for the first Asian names they knew so they went with Sandra Oh and like people on you know from Crazy Rich Asians you know so it's 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 frustrating um and 
Yeah. And that's why people still don't understand the difference between Asians. <laughs> I feel bad because this is the type of thing I don't think they think about is, okay, so now every time you bring these people out on press tour, there's gonna they're going to have to address this issue from going forward. Yeah. I mean, but that's only for the people who know to ask. And and this is also where it comes in when it comes to the if you cast authentically, they can answer better for the people who don't know what to ask. You know, like most people who are going to ask them about stuff is just going to ask about Asian stuff, like general Asian things. So mm. they're not going to know the difference in saying like, hey, like, what did you think? Because this came from a Southeast Asian tradition, but you're East Asian, blah, blah, blah. So they're not going to ask that nuance. However, if you got the right person cast, they can bring it up and say, well, because I am Vietnamese, I know da, 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 that this part came from this because it is sort of a fusion, you know, kind of like with Poppy War, sort of like. It's inspired by, it's not specifically Vietnamese or Thai or whatever, but like a lot of these traditions sort of like fuse together to create Raya. So yeah, yeah it's it's a total missed opportunity. That being said, I'll still watch it. I'm going to watch I mean, the hell out of it. What are yeah. you talking about? <laughs> yeah. I just wish, you know, it was a less problematic win. It, it's just, it is such a triumph. I mean, there's no bigger stage than Disney. And it's, it is pretty incredible to have a Southeast Asian princess in the Disney princess line. So, right? um, so that's my nickname is a less problematic win. Less. Pro- <laughs> I love it. Awesome. I'll get you the Raya doll for, for Christmas. <laughs> and then um, I'll give her like, I'll replace her sword with like, like a, like a notepad. And she's like, it's, I'll replace the voice box instead of saying whatever Raya says is like, I have to spend six weeks at TCA. It's entertainment reporter, Raya. <laughs> Oh my god! I, I mean, because of that conversation, we did bring up the fact that, like, fresh off the boat, we were just like, "Oh, remember when fresh off the boat?" The first question was about chopsticks. So, like, we've come a long way, but uh, yeah, still plenty of work to do. All right, Han, uh, what's your next story? All right, this is something interesting. Um, a departure because there are many other stories I could have picked, but no, I'm going to talk about the Lunar New Year Barbie doll uh, that is being released. <laughs> And it, for February, because Lunar New Year is starting, I think, February 11th this year? 12th? 12th. Yes, you're right. Well, the 11th would be the eve, yes. so you celebrate So then. the 12th is a Friday. It's also the day Minari comes out. Um, and I think around that time, the last two All the Boys I Love Before comes out also. So, yeah. Yeah, Valentine's <laughs> Day, Chinese New Year, all the same weekend. Yeah. So... The design of this Barbie, you know, she has dark, long, straight hair. Um, she's wearing a red, uh, traditional, more Chinese type of, was it Changsam? How do you say that? Is that right? It's I call it a Chi Pao. Yeah. Oh, that's what I but thought. But that's like the Mandarin okay. version. Um, it's red. It's sleeveless. It has like peony flowers. And ha- she. it's like has some teal or turquoise piping. She was wearing these dangly sort of uh, tassel um teal earrings that match the piping and her buttons and you know it's a cute very somewhat asian look um they didn't do anything too racist with her face you know which is good i was <laughs> i was kind of afraid of that that's a win yeah, yes i yes. Uh, i didn't see i was hoping for more like accessorizing and that might have been because there's a an artist i know that i follow on twitter and she drew this like in uh for Let's see. She drew this character who is wearing like a red dress and whatever, and her 
and her um purse is like a Xiaolong Bao like design and I'm just like oh, that would be amazing so I was like please make that into a card and I will buy the hell out of that um yeah so like my thing is this I'm very happy in some ways that they call it a lunar new year doll because I something that I keep telling everyone it's a, the lunar new year it's not just Chinese but clearly the design of this doll is Chinese so um it's it's fine uh, <laughs> 14% of the yeah. world, huh? Yeah. 14% of the yeah. world. Yeah, I mean, it's fine. I don't know how they could have, like, they couldn't give her maybe a pants option if we wanted it to be Vietnamese, you know. They, there would have been too many maybe wardrobe changes. I get it. Simplicity. Then the Koreans would be mad. You have to give her a hot well, 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 Koreans like, you have to create a Koreans new. don't necessarily do the Lunar New Year, and neither do the Japanese. So that's the thing. It's like only certain Asian... I thought Koreans did celebrate. Well, Lunar I think New it depends Year. on the Koreans. Um, you're Got right. It. Like I think on to all the boys, we saw them do that, but then my a lot of my Korean friends don't um, celebrate <laughs> it. So yeah, I, that's a little bit another sort of story. So do we actually want this? I did not buy it, um, which is usually <laughs> the mark of if I literally want it or not. I think I'm okay with it existing. Just because it gives one more Asian option. Barbie is a huge name when it comes to like dolls and consumerism and stuff like that. So I'm I'm happy that people are seeing that. And it's also it's special like black label collection. So it's one of the more uh exclusive, you know, dolls. It's not just one that's like the twenty Malibu Barbies that are out there. So, you know, I'm fine with that. But um I didn't I didn't want it enough to actually get it myself. Also, I just don't collect Barbies. I'm not one of those people. But, you know, hey, I if my niece, um, nieces want it, I would totally buy it for them. What yeah, about you? Personally, I don't want this um, <laughs> because I don't play with those. Also, if I'm going to buy my nieces a present, I used to get them like a book or something. I mean, uh, oh, yeah, I do that, too. I'm like the lame aunt who gets them education. Yeah, I or I would get them like, you know what is a dope Lunar New Year gift? That Lego playset from last year. Well, my thing is, <laughs> I tend to always get something dumpling related for Lunar New Year. But like if there's actually like a birthday or a Christmas and they have a wish list, I will buy whatever's on their wish list. Yeah. I mean, here's my thing is I'm trying to I'm staring at this Barbie doll. <laughs> and yeah, obviously, um, she's wearing Asian inspired like Chipal. It looks like a wedding dress. Yeah. Right. It's a it's a fancy occasion um, dress. It's not like But like yeah. is she supposed to look Asian? I mean, I know Barbie dolls, like it's hard to assign Change like the supply yeah. chain. Yeah. To I'm also make a very face. okay with them not trying to make her look more Asian because that could go in the wrong direction. She could yeah. totally be, you know, but maybe half. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, yes, maybe half. So I'm fine with her being half. Like I would see someone like her on the street and be like, oh, there's some Asian in you. So, <laughs> Jess, did you play with dolls as a kid? Does this do anything uh, for no. you? No. No. So I was the second child and i think my parents kind of gave like they're just too tired by the time i came around so i got all the hand-me-downs which means my barbies were already mm. naked and like <laughs> had the hair chopped off by the time i got them so i never played with barbie dolls um still kind of a sore spot but <laughs> um and um oh god like so like barbie related but not dolls but my sister got the barbie like 
driving car you know the one you can actually sit in and drive as a child and she got it for her like birthday one year this is before i was even born i have no memories of it ever working but the carcass of this toy car sat in our backyard like getting dirty and just broken so i was just like oh you loved the older one enough to purchase her this major toy and like couldn't even fix it so I could use it. Like, cool, 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 cool. We're fine now. I've been living like a year with my parents in quarantine. We good. They're going to live with me till they die probably. But, you know, Barbie Barbie just just sore spot for me. Never played with them. <laughs> um, not as excited. I was more excited about the Chloe Kim Barbie, to be honest. I thought that one was super cool because she had like the snowboard and it was like the special like Olympic line. That was cute. I wanted that so, one, but that one sold out. That like, one makes minutes. more sense because that's my thing is like often Barbie is, you know, presented doing or wearing things that's like not my personality, but snowboarding totally. Yes. <laughs> um, again, I don't collect Barbies. I don't have a use for them. When I played with dolls and stuff as a kid, it was mainly animals, you know, so uh it wasn't a lot of fashion I mean, dolls. Representation is important. Yeah. Like when I was a kid, I played with Ninja Turtles. I mean, they're dolls, right? They're yeah. dolls. Dolls are boys. That's what yeah. I figured. I played with GI Joe's. And I'm pretty sure in my brain, those Ninja Turtles were Asian because their dad was yeah. Asian. And they're ninjas, yeah. so they're like Asian. Yeah, they yeah, better yeah, be. I get it. They better be Japanese. Like, come on. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, it's it's. I I think it will mean a lot to. A kid out there, yeah, who does play with Barbies. So I'll take that. I think we can take that as a win. Yeah, I, that's if you know their mom lets them open the f- designer collectible box to actually play with the Barbie. <laughs> yeah, just like how we're open to Bling Empire existing, even though it's not my lifestyle, I'm okay with that. You know, people can see different <laughs> Asians, even Asian Barbies who are maybe half Asian. I don't know. Anyway, so okay, right. what's what's news? Uh, what news do you have? Our last story, um, Deadline reports that ABC has put in development a show called Kim Spa, a semi-autobiographical multi-camera comedy from comedian Peter Kim and Matt TV alum Bobby Lee, both of whom will star. Written by Peter Kim, it's based um, loosely based on his life. He plays a pragmatic young man who returns home to work with his brother, played by Bobby Lee, and their lovable group of misfit relatives after their father dies in the hot tub of their family-owned Korean spa. Oh my god. <laughs> Man, I missed that part when I read the initial announcement <laughs> about their dad dying yeah. in a hot tub. Oh, um, do we want this? Yes. Oh, totally. I, I mean, I know Peter and I've seen his stand up. He's fucking hilarious. Um, Bobby Lee, you know, totally wasted in Mad TV. I think he needs a comeback, you know, in a big way. And, um, I do think like there's this weird cultural touch point now of the Korean spa between the whole Steven Yeun Conan series in the spa to Andrew on spa night. Like it, it's is is it like well known outside of I mean areas with large Korean populations now. I mean none of us are Korean, so we don't really have like like public bathing is not. Some, I don't think it's a Chinese thing. I don't know if it's a Vietnamese thing, so I don't know if. But but I go like, to Korean spas yeah, a lot. Yeah, like that was like it. I would go very often pre-pandemic, and I miss I miss those ajumas so much. <laughs> they are able to. So for those of you who don't know, you can pay somebody 
to scrub all the dead skin off your body. Mm-hmm. You are like just lying naked on this table and she like takes this glove and she is like merciless and scrubs you harder than you could ever scrub yourself and it's beautiful and I can't replicate it and there's so much dead skin, guys. I have so much dead skin. There's, there's also sort of like a I don't know if this is like unique to Dallas or other because I haven't been to a lot of other ones, but there's also the Korean spa where where you just go to all the hot rooms. Right. They have all these rooms that are Mm -hmm. ridiculously hot. But then Mm -hmm. there's also a section that's a water park for the kids. And so I've been to that one a couple times whenever I visit my friend in Dallas. And it's literally like a day you spend where you're walking around inside, going to all the hot rooms, you eat your food where it's all going to be Korean food, which is great, um, at the cafeteria. And then you can also go to the um, water slides and the water park area. It's such a weird sort of amalgam and it works because it's great for like winter just to go inside and everything's like, you know, I love it. Yeah. I mean, the heated floors in the family room, you know, the common space, and like I just just and there's like real the one I used to go to had like really shitty Wi-Fi. So in theory, you always brought something to like be kind of productive. Are you gonna bring a book to read? And you just end up falling asleep on the floor, and it's wonderful. Uh, yeah, a lot of the uh, the older Korean people will just go there and they socialize and they fall asleep in the chairs and in the lobbies and they like they literally spend the whole day there. So yeah, it's 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 such a communal space. Um, I'm sure that like maybe this version will probably be a bit more traditional. It's probably just the hot rooms and the scraping of the skin. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'd be open. To, I, I'm I'm very excited to see any sort I mean, of <laughs> very spas, Korean spas, right for situational humor, mm-hmm. right? Like you got the you got the patrons coming in and out. You got the workers. Everyone's in various states of undress. Yeah, there's towels. There's, um, you know, you, everyone's wearing those like really ugly like shirt t-shirts that you <laughs> give huge. you. Uh, and the pant, like, the shorts, the big shorts. The locker rooms, the the Ajumas work, you know, doing the scrubbing and the massaging and the hair washing. There's, it's great. Like this, it's so. And if tonally it starts off with them finding their father's dead body in a hot tub, like it's gonna be good. <laughs> It's right? going to be like, fun. It's going to be great. Yeah. yeah. I mean, what's interesting is it's a multicam comedy, which I feel like has not been in vogue the last few years. Mm-hmm. I think the last Asian American one was um, Dr. Ken, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, um, you're right. It, it'll be interesting because then it will be more like a workplace comedy um, where they keep going back to it and you kind of expect a certain look, you know, over and over again. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm all yeah. about it. I mean, cheaper to film, right? <laughs> you can knock out five episodes. You know, you couldn't knock out like an episode a week, I think, um, when you talk, when you're doing multicam, maybe two if you work fast. Yeah, so. I'm excited. I also know Peter, um, you know, I've seen him perform stand up at Asian AF a couple of times. Um, we've had him on panels before. I'm glad to see this work out for him because he moved to L.A. actually a couple of years ago from Chicago. He originally from the Chicago comedy scene. I think he did improv with Second City um, before getting to stand up. And he has a really great um podcast called the ajima show that he does with um unji kim um that's really really funny peter's just very talented he's very funny he is uh, i mean i think if you can remember a comedian's bit like years after you've heard it there are good comedians and good directors <laughs> so i can still remember his like sexy jesus bit um and so i'm really excited really happy for him nice guys 
let's let's yeah i'm very excited to see that like yeah it's been a while since we've seen like bobby lee in anything right uh. i feel like when we see bobby lee he's always bobby lee it up right but like, yeah it's smart to harness the bobby lee yeah, yeah he's <laughs> usually bobby lee and he's usually secondary like character who is bobby lee you know so it's nice to see him you know take the lead and yeah, I assume Bobby would play the fuck-up sibling, and Peter's like the high-strung sibling <laughs> who has to hold it together. But maybe they're going to switch. Who knows? It sounds great. Um, I'm excited to learn more about it. I'm excited who they're going to cast, because, um, again, because it's a Korean-American family, they're going to have to cast the parents, the aunties, the cousins. Well, no, the dad's dead, <laughs> so... <laughs> Maybe Ken Jong can come back for cameos, right? <laughs> like the ghost of dad or like the memory of dad. Um, but there is no, there is definitely no lack of choices. Helen Hong would be a wonderful mother to this family. Um, I mean, Susie's Japanese. Susie Nakamura's Japanese, so wouldn't work in this case. But bring Susie Nakamura back in some, like as the annoying like regular, <laughs> you know, who just comes in and wants to be scrubbed and something like there's yeah, i mean this is a situation where sandra potential. owen daniel day kim would actually fit no oh my god please like let sandra O fly her comedy chops more <laughs> absolutely and with that that's a wrap on our first do we want this for 2021 and jazz thank you for joining me in reviewing some of the news that we're excited about and that'll also do it for this episode of the Good Pop Culture Club. As always, if you want to engage with us, you can find us on social media. Uh, Jess Han, if you want to follow you guys on social media, where can they go? You can find me at Just Jude Tweets. And you can find me at Anonymous. You can find me at Marvin Yue. You can find the show at Good Pop Club. And check out our past episodes by going to the website goodpop.club. Uh, the Good Pop Culture Club is a proud member of the Potluck Podcast Collective, a collective of Asian-hosted podcasts. Um, check out our fellow Potluck shows by going to the website podcastpotluck.com. And yeah, that's a wrap on oh, that's a wrap on the first month of 2021. I feel like this year's already going too fast, even it's, though it's been it's been a year, and it's <laughs> January 21st. To be fair, like that January 6th insurrection like was like eight months off everyone's life, I think. It, it was every... <laughs> Nine months? It was every Wednesday something was happening. So tomorrow's Wednesday. Like hopefully yeah. it's like nothing's going on. It would be great. Okay. I was so ready for some shit to hit the fan on the inauguration Wednesday too. So I kind of like scheduled my work week to not have anything important like land after Wednesday or not drop any news after Wednesday. And it was like when it was like super boring. I'm like... yeah. Oh my god! It was guys. weird. Well, I got two days back. What? Yeah, because like three days. <laughs> so it was I could like work. So it was like on the sixth, it's insurrection. The next Wednesday, it is um, uh, impeachment, and then there was inauguration. So we're like, what's this Wednesday? And the people are like, incarceration. But uh, so I don't know what it'll, what it'll be. Not looking likely. But no, that's another, no. But that's you know, there are story. many other words that start with I that could be good anyway. <laughs> so all right, well. On our next episode, we'll find out what happened this Wednesday. Uh, but until then, thank you for listening to the Good Pop Culture Club. We'll see you all next time. Bye, everyone. Bye.
Hi, I'm Marvin. And I'm Rira. We're the host of Books and Boba, a book club and podcast dedicated to books by Asian and Asian American authors. Every month we pick a book by an Asian author to read and discuss on the show. We read a wide variety of genres from contemporary to historical fiction, fantasy to memoirs, and crime thrillers to romance. Some of our past book club picks are Pachinko by Minjin Lee, Sorcerer to the Crown by Zen Cho, and Devotion of Suspect X by Keigo Higashino. We also go over what's new in the Asian American literary world and chat with some talented Asian authors about their work. So whether you want to start reading for fun again or diversify your TBR list, we got your Asian literature cravings covered. For more info, check out our website at booksandboba.com. You can listen to us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and wherever you find your podcasts. Part of the Potluck Podcast Collective.